You're listening to a Radio Stockdale podcast. Podcasts that are inspiring, interactive, and feature various discussions of leadership, ethics, and law. Welcome to Philosophy at the Movies, a podcast where we discuss themes in the history of philosophy through the medium of films. I'm Alex Baker, and joining me as always... Sean Baker. And today's topic is the 1969 film, Army of Shadows. So this is a film about the French Resistance, based on a novel of the same name by Joseph Cassell, a French author and journalist who was a member of the French Resistance. And it, the main character, his name is Philippe. Mm-hmm. And we see him, he's been taken to a prison camp because they feel they have suspicions that he's a member of the resistance, but they've never had enough solid evidence. And they say he always has connections that can get him out. Yeah. And he rooms up with these other people. One is a communist. And the others were people, one says he would just happen to be walking down the street during a De Gaulle Gaullist demonstration. Yeah. And that sort of threw him in there. The others seem pretty aloof as like they're pretty content just staying in the prison camp. But he wants to get out along with the communist. They plan an escape. But the day of his escape, he's taken into the Gestapo headquarters with this other person. And while they're in the waiting room, he realizes there's a slim chance he can break out with, with this guy, but only one of them yeah. is going to do it. So he briefly distracts the guard, and he grabs a knife and kills the guard. He's able to escape, but this other guy is caught. Yes. But he makes it back to the French Resistance, and um, he finds the guy who ratted him out, and they have to execute him. Yeah. And it's his name. His name is Paul. Paul's the person they execute. Yep. And one of them is La Masque, a young recruit, and he's this, this is the first time he's ever had to execute someone. And he's yeah. very uh, tries to talk him out of it. He doesn't want to do it, but they eventually half they eventually yeah. kill, uh, execute. Them. Yeah. And through on out, it's we follow the resistance um there's another one named let Perk, and he recruits an old friend who was a pilot mm-hmm. and they start doing more resistance activities um also around this time philippe and luke and luke another lead with well, the heads of the resistance they head to london right after they um rescue some uh downed pilots i believe yes. one's a canadian and they yep. go to london mm-hmm. to get more funding for the resistance but when they meet one of the French uh, uh, ambassadors, the ambassador sort of tells them, you know, the British and the Americans, they're not really sure on their resistance efforts. So you can't get a lot of supplies, but we'll give you more transistors for radio activities. Yes. And when he during around this time, um, the pilot, the one that was recruited, the friend of Le Perc, he gets captured along with another member of theirs. Mm-hmm. And around this time, also, they meet a female member of another resistance chapter her name is matilda yes and so around this time they try to organize a uh, rescue effort for these two Um, they pretend to be um medical workers getting them transferred to another hospital yeah so they go into the uh, gestapo headquarters 
but the doctor t- refuses them because he says this person's been beaten and tortured that he he's just going to die anyway there's no point he'll just have to stay here so they yeah. can't rescue them and around this time also Philippe gets captured yep and he's taken to, about taken to the part where he is going to a firing squad and there's they messing with them saying if you run fast we'll yeah. give you a head start and if you reach the end before we shoot you you'll live another day or another week yeah it's a big kind of a vast underground kind of a hangar right mm-hmm. and they do a good job in that scene showing as these uh uh prisoners there's more than one prisoner it's including philippe are taken uh down there and he looks in one direction he sees the uh, German executioners having set up their uh, tripods with the machine guns, right? And then he looks down the other way, and it's probably at least a football, football field's in length. Um, it's basically just the end of that long hangar-like tunnel, and there's a wall there, and they cruelly tell them, look, we'll give you a chance, and it's it should be a chance with about 32 square, scare quotes around it because the chance is only this. If we begin shooting, you run, and you make it to the end of that tunnel, we won't execute you today. But they're going to execute them later, right? And it's kind of uh, it's an interesting illustration of the uh, steely determination of Philippe that he says, you know what? I am not going to give them the uh, satisfaction. satisfaction of running like a scared rabbit just to buy myself a few more hours of life. And he doesn't. And Initially. He, initially he doesn't. But then for some reason, uh, he, he does start to run. And then, you know, for a while there, things get a little bizarre, and you're wondering what the heck is going on. And but as he approaches the end of that tunnel, all of a sudden it's a large amount of black smoke, we come to realize that uh, Mathilde has arranged for a rescue for Philippe. And that those are uh, actually smoke grenades. And he makes it to the end of that tunnel uh, with only having suffered one gunshot wound. And uh, they throw a rope down. He manages to work himself up. And you, you, you see, wow, this is great. You know, Mathilde is one hell of an organizer. They make that very clear in this yes. film. She is a, a vital cog in the resistance machine and uh she went to great lengths to not only plan this uh, rescue but obviously great personal risk and it really sets up that scene later in the film that i need to let you get to yes so after a while they get him to something of a safe house where he has to hide for a while and avoid getting recognized by anybody but somewhere around that time during one of the visits now they find out matilda has yes. been captured yes and then they realize that the weak spot, because they mentioned earlier that she has a daughter. Yes. And it's realized that they kidnapped the daughter because the daughter is unaware of her mother's resistance activities. And the daughter is being captured by the Germans. And they said, if you don't comply with us, we're going to send your daughter to a whorehouse on the Eastern Front and serve yeah. as the soldiers. Right. Uh, a fate worse than death and one that will eventually uh, result in death. Yes. But only after years of horrible mistreatment. So they've given her a terrible, terrible choice. And she's let go, and they feel that she's t- she must have talked. Or there's debate, and one of them says that you know, she wants them, they don't want to kill her because she's done so much for the resistance. One yes. says, 
well, she, you know, being out like this, she wants us to kill her because she realizes yeah. that living the life as someone who's rat out or friends is a fate worse than death. So she, they say this is a mercy for her. But well, what I got from the that the ending of the film is it's not at all clear yet that she's yeah. ratted because out. they said one of them and, says but, like, well, I don't really know if that was the truth. I was just trying to justify yeah. it. So what they're really having you face at the end of that, I'm putting you in the in the shoes of these resistant resistance fighters that have had to make tough choices before. Uh, they're putting you in their shoes of having to decide what to do about the risk of Mathilde buckling under to that horrible pressure. Because, you know, Nazis being what they were, and this is SS we're dealing with here, um, they could either follow through with on that threat uh, to the daughter or uh, torture her, as they did the two other people earlier in the film who evidently didn't give up information under that severe torture. Um, they took so much that they, uh, at least in the one case, were very near death. And uh, interestingly enough, this is the, the guy that Mathilde was sent to, to rescue and had the smarts to realize at, at that rescue when the doctor said, no, you can't take him, she realized, and you can kind of see it in the way that uh, the, the actress plays the role, she realized, well, if I kind of insist on taking him anyway, that's going to tip them off. They will know who we are. So I have to act like a good, almost bureaucrat in, in the French, uh, in, in, the, in the German army, and a German nurse. That's what she's uh, posing as. And just say simply, okay, well, it can't be helped. Thank you very much and move on. Just write she, a report. Yeah. And write a report about it, right. And she does, knowing she literally has no other choice. So later in the film, uh, we see that uh, uh, the, the, other, the other members of the resistance are, are having to put themselves in her shoes as we are being put in their shoes to determine what the correct, uh, what the what the best course of action is given the probabilities and given the needs of the given the needs of the resistance and it's a terrible dilemma that they put them in but they they're they're being forced to make a kind of a cold utilitarian calculation because you you can see what they're thinking and and they discuss and to some extent uh one of the characters uh, tries to make the decision easy by creating that fiction. Well, she would want us to do this because she too would be in our position realizing that if given the choice between uh, personal torture or uh, either torture or terrible mistreatment of your daughter, you, you, you'd probably want to take the personal. But the Nazis know that. So they threaten the daughter. And they know very well that most uh, uh, most parents will choose to protect that daughter. Well, if Mathilde does that, then she puts a significantly higher number of people in the resistance at risk, which in turn puts France as a whole, or at least uh, uh, the elements of France yeah. that are resisting the Nazis. We're never sure at what great information risk. she gives. Yeah, and they don't know either, and they do a good job of showing that us that kind of that fog of war situation. And 
reluctantly pulling us into understanding the decision that they do make at the end of the film. It is, like I said, kind of a, a strategic, cold, utilitarian decision they have to make. Yeah. Very and, well done, I have to say. Yeah, and at the very end, they do decide to kill her. And uh, as they drive by, we see the four leaders of the resistance. One of them is Philippe and their fates. And within a year, all of them are dead. And the last yeah. one they show is Philippe. And it says he this time he chose not to run, which means that he was caught and refused to run during the yeah. firing squad. Yeah. And th- this, I thought, was a very good movie. I'm a, I, we have to talk about... The director of this movie it's jean-pierre melville his name is actually jean-pierre grumbach mm-hmm. but um he changed his name to melville for a code name during world war ii because he was a member of the french resistance and also his brother who i believe was uh, betrayed by one of his members and killed so yeah. uh, this is something very personal for melville yeah and he does a good job i, I think of illustrating the difficult kinds of choices that the people in the resistance had to make. You know, uh, life is not so convenient as to present you with easy choices, easy right versus easy wrong. Uh, in the case of, uh, uh, the case of Matilde, um, there's a, a, case, a case of uh, a, a whatever choice you make being agonizingly difficult and arguably wrong. And they had to make these kinds of decisions all the time uh, in the underground, um, given the uh, ubiquitous nature not only of the the Nazi regime, but of the uh, enablers and the people that uh, collaborated with them in the Vichy government, and even regular citizens that were so afraid for themselves that they would choose to turn in resistance people or even people they suspected of being resistance members so that they could protect themselves. So you get that, you get that, get a real feel for um, the almost natural bent toward paranoia that develops in the, uh, in the resistance members in this film. You really get a feel for that. And I think Melville wanted to get that across. You don't realize what this is like until you've lived at least four years in this kind of environment. And when we think about movies and the French resistance, there are other films that there was in America, the the train with Burt Lancaster. Mm -hmm. And another one was called is Paris burning? I believe it was in the late 60s. It was an infamous flop, but it was about like the liberation of Paris. Yeah. Even like you could even going as if you're familiar in comic book media with people like Sergeant rock, he is, one of his uh, one of his romantic partners is a woman named Mademoiselle Marie, and she is a leader of the French Resistance. Yeah. And you, you have these romantic notions of somebody assassinating an SS officer or blowing up a train full of war supplies for the German war effort or doing yeah. something on a big, grand, epic scale. You know, even not French Resistance, but think of the resistance for Greece and uh, the guns of Navarone. Yes. And what they're doing, blowing up this powerful artillery cannon. Yeah. This one isn't, they're not doing something romantic nope. like this. It's just, get our guys out of there, but if one of them squeals, we got to take them out. Yeah, and uh, they they do a, a, a very good job of showing um, the... The dedication to to the cause of the members in the face of people squealing, but also the um, very difficult, emotionally difficult 
um, uh, results of having to carry out those missions and those duties. Um, I think wonderfully in the case of uh, the execution of Paul, you have, uh, they have set up the execution to occur in a, an apartment building, right? And in the interim between actually having rented the, the apartment and actually bringing him up there, and he has informed on fellow members it's caused their deaths and their arrests. So they feel they have to do this. This guy cannot be allowed to continue to live because he will reap more damage. But they, they confront him immediately as this very frightened human being, right? And the mask is, uh, he's new to the job. And it really hits him hard. That, you know, I'm going to be face-to-face killing another human being. And it's interesting, he thinks... It's a little more. It's a little easier to do with a firearm, right? And when they say, "Well, we don't have any firearms," and even if we did, neighbors have just moved in, and these paper thin walls are going to hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can't do that. Disturbs him greatly because the options then become either use a knife or strangle a man. Either one, very close personal contact, and uh, uh, they end up deciding to strangle him and uh he's whimpering and it's a horrible scene it's absolutely one of the most i think jarring killing scenes i think i've ever seen in a film and it's not bloody or anything it just shows the human impact of it and the impact it has on the mask is particularly compelling because he hasn't been in the resistance long enough to kind of develop that shell uh of um I won't say coldness, but the, the the ability to kind of withdraw from the act you're doing in order to not only protect yourself, but most importantly, protect the resistance. Philippe has got to that point. He's the one that's kind of driving this. Look, we have to do this. It's, uh, it's important for the overall mission. If we don't, it will have terrible redounding effects down the line. So we have to do this. And later on in the film, he he's a primary engine for the choice to go ahead and execute Matilda, right? And and he, it was him, I believe it was, might have been somebody else. They both insisted, we have to do this so she sees who's doing it. Perhaps she will understand why we're doing it. Uh, After all, she was a leader just as important as we are and must realize what we're thinking and the risks we're taking if we don't execute her. Um, Very interesting um, illustration, I think, of the, the human cost of warfare, even though it is, technically speaking, resistance, not not necessarily mm-hmm. warfare, but yeah, really it is, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, he does a great job of this, and I, I'm sure the personal impact he had in his own life, he felt like he had to portray this and then portray it in the context of what looks to be, at least in the short term, the futility of the activity. Everybody either dies or is captured or turns himself in at the end of this. And you wonder, well, was it all worth it? You know, if you take that kind of short focused view and you don't see the long-term view and the ultimate long-term success of the resistance. Um, But those are the kinds of questions people will ask themselves uh, in the midst of difficult combat, right? And he does a great job with this. This is, in a way, a, a quintessential late 60s film in that regard. No easy answers, but a good exploration of the dilemmas 
and the uh, uh, ethical and moral pain involved in this kind of work. And you, interesting, you just mentioned that this was released in the late '60s, and that and that release really hurt. I think the reception of this movie. This came out in 1969, and it's a French film. Uh, one of the more famous political movements of France at that time was the May 68 protests, which was more leftist, left-wing organizations protesting the rule of de Gaulle, who was still in power at that yeah. time. You had this come out after this, still well within the, you know, the mindset of the French people, and most people hated this because they viewed that as pro-de Gaulle, and they because they feel de Gaulle was a fascist. So this devastated the release. It did not get an American release until 2006 because the American critics went along with the French critics. Yeah, yeah. And it is a shame because I don't necessarily think it's pro-de Gaulle, even though um, Melville himself, the director, was very pro-de Gaulle. Uh, I believe when the people said that one of his work offices was on fire the two things he rescued was his cat and a portrait of charles de gaulle but i don't necessarily i think that's a shame that it was censored like this for so long and not given a proper international release yeah and you know um like it is it is very much a a product or the reception of that film is is a is a product of those times Uh, you have to remember that essentially from the uh, 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 World War II era on, uh, a lot of the European powers, in particular uh, France and Britain, were coming to the end of the rope in terms of their colonial holdings. Um, In the case of France, Indochina was pretty much lost to the Japanese. And even though they did have a... uh, uh, and the first Indo-Chinese War, a, a war uh, with uh, uh, Ho Chi Minh and the Viet Minh and, the, and North Vietnam um, to attempt to retake it, um, you could kind of see it was a lost cause. And there was a lot of internal dissension in France um, about uh, the appropriateness of colonial holdings. And around the same same time, and for roughly the same period of time, um, uh, uh, Algiers was mm-hmm. the another hot topic. And typically, how the uh, uh, political spectrum aligned on the issue of um, uh, colonial colonialism was not surprisingly, as you've mentioned, the left tended to not like it; the right tended to justify it in some ways. And de Gaulle was um, associated with the right, although if you look at his political, uh, actually his political history, he is, his view was more nuanced. Um, he essentially was the, the person responsible for ultimately giving Algeria its independence. Um, so it wasn't as simple as that, but I think what really drove people up the wall with this film on the left was that scene uh, somewhere uh, toward the, uh, in the first third of the film where... Uh, Philippe, I can't remember who else, they're receiving citations, awards, Mm -hmm. medals. And you see this kind of towering figure who is giving them the medals. I think you're supposed to, you're you're led to believe that's de Gaulle. And it is during World War II, we have to keep in mind, um, when, I guess you could say safely, de Gaulle was at the height of his popularity with with those people that um, were 
uh, fighting for independence, right? But unfortunately, because this is 1968-69, as you said, um, he was going through a very unpopular period by then. People were kind of weary of him in general, even people not on the left. But uh, the left never liked him anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, he, he resigned in 69, his, his presidency. Um, so it is a shame because I, I agree with you. I don't, think it's, I don't think there's a message in this film about de Gaulle one way or the other. It's yeah. not about him. It is about uh, the moral complexities and the ag- moral agonies, <laughs> I think, of resistance fighting during the war. And it's a shame that they didn't see, these, these critics at that time didn't see that, because in a way, I think it's also a testament to the grittiness and determination of the French people, who unfortunately, because of Marshal Patain, have this reputation of having just kind of rolled over and let the That's Nazis take joke over. about the French army flag. It's the white flag of truce. Yeah. It's always been this, that you, get, you hear the same jokes all the time. Oh, we, we, we surrender, we surrender. Right. Uh, you know, what is the phrase? Cheese eating surrender monkeys, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but um, the fact is that's only half the story. And the other half, you have to give de Gaulle credit. Man, that man was a fighter and he was a good leader. Um, but you also have to give credit to those rank-and-file people that were fighting the resistance in Paris and in occupied France, uh, as well as in Vichy France and other areas too. But particularly those people show you the grit and resolve and fearlessness and the maturity level having to make tough decisions. Um, all of that's there. It's, it's a testament to, I think, uh, French grittiness. And they just let that go by the side because of this one scene that is apparently de Gaulle, right, mm-hmm. uh, giving this medal. It's just like, talk about an exercise in missing the point. Well, I think you, you, it is that political, you said there was that political climate, particularly in France, and not even just the critics, but you'd say this was the 60s, the French New Wave. It was film critics turning into filmmakers, famously Jean-Luc Godard, and he was very politically active, as probably, if you look at his movies, he's about as left as you can get, um, But it, which is interesting because you have Jean-Pierre Melville. Melville is considered the father of the French New Wave. Everybody, including Godard, Melville had a cameo in a Godard film. Mm-hmm. They look up to him as a god, but if you look, like I, if you watch, there was a documentary about him called Codename Melville, particularly his time in the Resistance. Everybody says his politics were pretty, as far as right-leaning, and definitely nowhere near where his peers were, even though he had the friendship with people on the left. He was friends with many social, avowed socialists. Yeah. So it's interesting that this was a man that was very pro-Degal. He is influenced and was admired by his peers, who were all very... F- politically different than him yeah it's odd and literally it leaves you asking the question well if they had left the the remainder of the movie uh, the same and just taken out that one scene right would that have uh mollified the people i mean would, would they have become so upset with the film i don't think so because this is like i said a gritty realistic french film isn't it i mean there's no romanticism here uh, like you say, it's a, a unsparing uh, portrayal of the difficult choices that have to be made in resistance movements. And if, you, you would think uh, 
denizens of the left, communists in particular, would at least see some kind of a resonance there because they often talk that way. You know, we have to make tough decisions. We have to uh, sometimes sacrifice comrades to get to, to, to further the goal. Uh, at least you could see a similar strain of reasoning in this film. Um, and you can't even say that, well, it's a similar strain of reasoning, but it's coming at it from a rightist perspective. You can't say that. It, it doesn't do that at all. It's coming at it simply from a resistance perspective in the context of Nazi occupation, which if there is anything left and right can agree on, Nazi occupation is not a good thing. You know, you know communists fought the uh, Nazis too. Yeah. Right. Exactly right. But um, we talk about Melville. Uh, Melville, as a filmmaker, he's done other movies, particularly of the resistance. There was His first film was a movie called The Silence of the Sea, where French daughter and her father are forced to board this German officer. And they eventually avoid him, but the German officer tends to be nice and friendly. And their thing is they're silent. They won't speak a word to him. Hmm. But, anyway, but, he's, but he also sees a bit naive about what Germany's really going to do for France. But he also did a movie called Leon Marin Priest about a priest in this small town in France during the occupation. And you have this movie. But also, hmm. he is better known, I think, for gangster movies. He was considered the most American French director. You see pictures of him. He's this big guy. He's got the Ray-Ban sunglasses. He's got a 10-gallon cowboy hat. He drives a Cadillac around. He loved gangster <laughs> movies. The most famous is probably Les Samurai about this lone hitman in France. But you think one of the things they say is there's a lot of similarities between those gangster movies, and those movies are very known for their quietness, their building of tension, sort of the cold, practic business-like nature yes. of the criminals. And he says there's a parallel between these. Yeah. Like, these guys are gangsters, just like how gangsters try to find ways to get their guys out of prison through an escape attempt or just bribing a judge or a, yeah. or blackmail. They tr resistance tries to get their guys out. You got and a not guy to squealing mention, in a gang, they try to take them out. Yeah, or yeah. if you're even a threat of a squeal, they will take you yeah. out. So that's a very similar parallel, too. I kind of have to ask this question about those films, too. One of the things I found very effective in the way he, he built scenes in this film were... Uh, scenes where Philippe is, is uh, having to ride out and wait for an opportune moment to do something. And the, the one that really stuck out to me was the, early in the film yes. when he is arrested and he is in that uh, SS um, building and you just, you're squirming in your seat waiting. Is he going to try to escape? Is he going to find the opportune time here? And yes. he just draws out that painfully is. that suspense. And then he finally ca he catches the moment, he grabs that knife, stabs a guy, and he's out. And it's yeah, like a is, tremendous release. Th yeah, that scene is classic Melville. He, there's a famous, uh, the film he did after this was called uh, The Red Circle about a heist. And the famous start of that heist movie is 30 minutes. The heist goes on for like 30 minutes. And when that's going on, there's not even a single word of dialogue. It's wow. also it almost as about as you could hear a pin drop when you're watching the movie because they don't even like dr show the sounds of them working the safe crack or anything. It's pretty amazing. It's Yeah. And there were several, several scenes in this film like that were just masterful. The suspense really was killing me. <laughs> Right, I almost wanted to go. Can I speed up the replay here so that I can live through this? You know, it was very impressive. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy at the Movies. You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stockdale. There you can also listen to their podcasts such as Ethics and the Naval Warrior and the Do-Over. If you like this podcast, you you might be interested in my other podcast, Real Sounds, which episode I dedicate to classic movie soundtracks. That can be found online at thesoundofcinema.podomatic.com. So until next time, I'm Alex Baker. And I'm Sean Baker. Saying so long, and be sure to catch us next time on Philosophy at the Movies.